We get her underway with another edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to Tuesday and a happy May Day to y'all. Here we move on. It's a, it's a pretty big holiday around the world. Of course, here it's about, I don't know, but when's the last time you marched around Maypole, Susan Littlefield? Oh, just yesterday trying to chase a dog. Oh, wait, that... <laughs> That, the, the pole would have been my leg because he was wrapping the chain around. That doesn't count, I guess. Not quite the same, no. Yeah, all right. Well, we're going to... But I do remember delivering May baskets as a child. Oh, yeah. You ever do make May baskets, you guys? I remember one time. Bob? Well, I think I wore a disguise when I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did it and, and uh, ran ran back down the... the uh, Ran back down the sidewalk thinking that uh, she was going to catch me. And and isn't that the tradition, right? You get caught doing yes. it and you get a kiss, right? Yep. So we used to play Ding Dong Ditch. <laughs> <laughs> Which served us well, well into our 30s, as a matter yeah. of fact. Okay. Well, here we go with another edition of Midday and uh, plenty of information to get along to you. And so let's find out what the ag gag has been working on today. It's a topic that doesn't matter where you go, everybody's talking about it, and that's the weather. We'll get uh, meteorologist Bryce Anderson joining us at 1219 as Alex talks about detailed weather outlook for the remainder of what we're going to see this spring planting season. Then coming up at 1245, a discussion with Bryce and Senator Deb Fisher as she talks about ag trade, the rural economy, and ag issues that will be facing lawmakers yet in Washington, D.C. Then wrapping it all up at 117, Clay checks in with K-State. They're collecting on some farm day, so he'll have more details for us at 117. All right, we'll look forward to all of it. Thanks very much. And over to sports we go, Jason Jorgensen. Kentucky Derby is just around the corner. Kind of sneaks up on us as we move into the month of May. We have an early favorite. This is a good name for a horse. You know, sometimes with horse names, it's like how'd they come up with that? Right. This time around, the name to remember is Justify. Justify, Justify is the early favorite of this year's Kentucky Derby. Three to one favorite. Wow. Now, uh, Europe-based Mendelssohn is the second choice to field that full field of horses. So Mendelssohn, huh? Yeah, Mendelssohn. Not Hans Gruber? Uh, no. <laughs> no. But I see you're where you're going with yeah, that. Yeah, actually, yeah. So we'll touch on that. Also, the NBA and NHL playoffs continue. Of course, those will be marching on until the middle of July. But one of the NBA's best players, Golden State's uh, Stephen Curry, he's back tonight after his uh, season was derailed with a couple of injuries. And uh, we'll tell you about Tri-City Storm goalie Philip Larson. Uh, he has been named the USHL Goaltender of the Year. He's already signed. He will play next year in Denver. But he had quite the season for the storm before he was hurt. All right. I have an even better horse name for you. Just a fly. Oh, yeah. How about that, huh? Yeah, I should be in the run. I should be in the game. <laughs> All right, Bob, what do you have for business? Stocks are moving lower in uh, midday trading. And uh, also the Midwest Business Conditions Index rose again, which is a pretty good indication that things are cooking right along in the uh, Midlands. Um, Mark Zuckerberg will have another opportunity to apologize once again for the Facebook scandal. He's going to speak in San Jose, California. And uh, the maker of the Gibson guitar, Say It Ain't So, is going to file for bankruptcy protection. All All this coming up for you today on KRVN's Midday. 
Bring in Paul Perkins here. Look at our ag weather brought to you today by Coolman Repair. And that area of greatest threat seems to be sliding a little. Just a little bit. Uh, for uh, Aurora was in an enhanced risk of severe storms today, but there you are now just in the kind of the slight risk of storms. But they have up the potential for severe weather over central and east Kansas, Concordia to Great Bend now in a marginal risk of severe storms today, which is uh, there's slight enhanced and then there's marginal so that's okay. lower to higher well, you'll have to define all that for us we exactly that. <laughs> all what i do see is a, a good portion of the eastern two-thirds of maybe half to two-thirds of nebraska is in you know light green what does that mean exactly uh just a marginal risk for some severe thunderstorms for today uh, basically it's a potential of uh, thunderstorms is there across that area but and when you start getting into, into the yellow orange and red that's when you do want to take note of what may be happening later today all right well we'll leave that to you what say you sir we do have some temperatures right now very mild across eastern nebraska and kansas up to 77 in wahoo this morning at this hour 75 at lincoln it's in the 50s though across much of north central down to southwest nebraska and northwest kansas right in central areas were mostly in the 60s but we will see that thunderstorm threat remain possible near and southeast of a cold front as it slowly moves to the southeast. That best chance of thunderstorms and severe weather going to be along and southeast of a line from West Point to Kearney and Phillipsburg. So once again, along and southeast of a line from West Point to Kearney and Phillipsburg, that potential for some severe weather. An enhanced risk of severe weather existing southeast of a line from Fremont to York and Smith Center, and then that even higher marginal risk is from Concordia to Great Bend, Kansas. Several storms could produce some hail, damaging winds, heavy rain, and isolated tornadoes. Rain and thunderstorms will remain possible all the way through Thursday night across their area as that cold front somewhat lingers and moves very little over the next few days, and we see waves of low pressure track east. Our temperature is cooling back to more seasonal levels today all the way through Thursday, and you'll notice we don't have as much strong south wind for today. High pressure will take control for some dry and warmer weather Friday into Monday. That warmer weather looks to stay for a while. The long-term forecast indicates warmer than normal temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas Sunday through May 14th. Daytime highs in early to mid-May on average in the upper 60s to low 70s with overnight lows averaging in the mid to upper 40s. And once again, we should be about above, just above that. Our precipitation outlook expects near normal to slightly above normal rainfall Sunday through the 14th. The exception, northern Nebraska, where it will trend drier than normal. Soil temperatures four inches down at 7 this morning, warming quite a bit after the warm temperatures from the last couple of days. Soil temperatures right around 50 along and west of a line from O'Neill to North Platte and the northwest corner of Kansas. There was a swath of mid to upper 50s for soil temperatures from Norfolk to Kearney and extreme west Kansas. Soil temperatures in the low 60s found from Grand Island to Lincoln and points south into much of Kansas. Weather factors affecting market trade include locally heavy rain predicted for the western Midwest and dryness threatening the Brazil corn production. Slow-moving cold front over the nation's midsection will be the focus for widespread rain as a series of disturbances track northeast along that front. In the Midwest, moderate to heavy rain here in the midweek will slow the field work and planting in the western and northern sectors. As of a few days ago, corn and soybeans planting had not even begun in Minnesota and the Dakotas. In contrast, sunny and warm weather over the eastern two-thirds of the Corn Belt is accelerating the corn planting. Very little rain indicated for the Southern Plains wheat crop the next seven days. Crop ratings show more than 
half the total wheat crop in Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas rating poor to very poor. Brazil's central crop areas will continue to be mostly dry and expect little to no rain this week. That dryness likely to result in a 20% less second crop corn than a year ago for central crop areas of Brazil. Regional Ag Weather is brought to you by Kuhlman Repair. And as we get on through the next well, in several hours, and in fact, the next couple of days, we still have some chances of showers, don't we? Yeah, that the severe thunderstorm threat not going away anytime soon. A lot of the severe threat will be pushed farther southeast tomorrow, but rain and thunderstorms somewhat lingering in the forecast. A little bit of light rain already starting to show up into the Nebraska panhandle towards Scotts Bluff and Shadron. All right. Well, we will watch with interest. Thank you very much, Paul. And when you need weather anytime, krvn.com. Dewey Nelson with a market update on the Rural Radio Network. Soybean meal and winter wheat futures are leading the way higher today. May corn trading 394 and three quarters up two and a quarter. July 403 and a half up two and three quarters. September 410 and a half up three. December 418 up two. May soybeans 1040 and a half up two and three quarters. July 1050 and a quarter up one and three quarters. August 10.53, up two and a quarter. November 10.46 and three quarters, up two. Chicago May wheat, 5.24 and three quarters, up 12 and a quarter. July 5.22, up 11 and a half. Kansas City May, 5.29, up 10 and a half. July 5.46 and three quarters, up nine. Minneapolis May wheat, 6.25, up seven and a quarter. July 6.19 and a half, up four. Cattle futures lower, led by the losses in feeders. June live cattle, 105.27, down 82. August, 104.10, down 42. October, 107.20, down 25. December, 111.37, down 45. February, 113.37, down 60. May feeder cattle, 138.27, now down 190. August, 143.70, down 250. September 144.67, down 170. October 144.80, down 145. November 144.35, down 97. Lean hogs are rallying. May 67.60, up 130. June 74.05, up 135. July 76.85, up 97. The Dow is down 344 at 23,820. NASDAQ down 21 at 7,045. S&P 500 down 22 at 2,624. Every season, you try to raise the bar to achieve your best corn yield ever. But disease can stand in the way. Like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, anthracnose leaf blight, and southern rust. New Delaro fungicide can stop them. Two different modes of action work on the diseases for the entire spray interval, delivering best-in-class dual mode of action residual efficacy for extended performance. It's the help you need for personal best yields. Keep raising the bar with Delaro from Bayer. Always read and follow label instructions. From horseshoes to hockey or chess to pickleball, the Cornhusker State Games has something for you. Whether you're a highly competitive athlete or just want to have fun with your friends, there are 60 different sports to participate in. There's something for all ages and all skill levels. Registration is now open for the Cornhusker State Games. Enter today and save money. Go to CornhuskerStateGames.com to register. Save money on your registration fee today by going to CornhuskerStateGames.com. CornhuskerStateGames.com. 
corn planting speeds up but still lags average pace. I'm Shaylee Peters joining you now on the Rural Radio Network with a midday look at your ag news. Corn planting progress jumped 12 percentage points last week thanks to warmer, drier weather across much of the Midwest but was still well behind the average pace as of Sunday, April 29th. According to the Crop Progress Report released yesterday, NAS estimated that 17% of corn was planted as of Sunday up from 5% the previous week but 15 percentage points behind last year's pace of 32 percent and 10 percentage points behind the five-year average of 27 percent. Corn emergence, on the other hand, was running closer to the average pace with 3 percent of the crop emerged as of Sunday behind 8 percent last year and an average pace of 6 percent. Soybean planting continued at an average pace of 5 percent complete as of Sunday. Winter wheat was 19 percent headed well behind last year's 41 percent and also behind the average of 30 percent. Winter wheat condition continued to improve slightly last week to 33%, good to excellent, up two percentage points from the previous week. And the pace of NAFTA negotiations has recently accelerated as U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer and his counterparts from Canada and Mexico just concluded four days of ministerial-level meetings. While it is still unclear when negotiations will officially conclude, the three trade ministers will reportedly reconvene May 7th with technical-level talks continuing in the meantime. Oscar Ferreira, U.S. Meat Export Federation Regional Director for Mexico, Central America, and the Dominican Republic, explains that the beginning of the NAFTA talks, red meat customers in Mexico were concerned about the future of NAFTA and whether they would continue to have duty-free access to U.S. pork, beef, and lamb. But he says these customers' business relationships with U.S. exporters remain strong and they are now feeling more optimistic about the future of the U.S.-Mexico trade relations. The main issue in the trade relation between Mexico and the United States at that time was the level of uncertainty. People didn't know what to expect next. And then we have a lot of political rhetoric from both sides. So that increased the uncertainty that our customers in Mexico have with respect to the reliability of United States as a supplier of beef and pork products to their market. But um, one of the things that we see right now is that the customers in Mexico are more secure about the future of the NAFTA negotiations. They see signs from both sides that are very positive. These type of signs are creating an a, a optimistic environment. There is a political component in all these negotiations, and that is out of our control. The industry doesn't control that. So that is still pending, but uh, the level of optimism is, is higher right now, comparing with the beginning. And trade war concerns continue to drive a sharp decline in producer sentiment toward the agricultural economy. According to the latest Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer, U.S. producers expressed an increase in concern compared to a month earlier about future ag exports, with 17% of producers indicating they expect exports to decline over the next five years. The negative perspective regarding exports appeared to spill over into concerns about commodity prices, especially soybeans, as the percentage of producers expect expecting lower soybean prices in the year ahead nearly doubled from 15% in January to 27% in April. Producers were more pessimistic about future returns for livestock producers than they were earlier in the year as well, and the percentage of producers expecting pork industry expansion in the year ahead declined from 70% in March to 52% in April. And you can find more on that story as well as all of our other ag news, audio and video. Up-to-date market information anytime by visiting RuralRadio.com. That's a look at your midday ag news. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. The Rural Economy. 
trade deals, and an update on the electronic logging device mandate. U.S. Senator Deb Fischer talks about these topics and more. Good afternoon to you on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. Senator Deb Fischer was first elected to the U.S. Senate in 2012. The senior senator from Nebraska recently joined the Senate Agriculture Committee and chairs one of the subcommittees. As a senator representing an agricultural state, she stays in tune with the latest issues. I recently sat down with Senator Fisher in her Washington, D.C. office and began by asking her about the state of the Nebraska ag economy. Well, obviously, we're looking at some downward cycles with regard to the prices that we're receiving for our products. Um, People are concerned about trade. You know, when I'm back in the state, as I am every weekend, that's what I hear from folks. They're worried about uh, having the markets that we currently enjoy having. We have great markets, but also in the future what that's going to mean for our ag producers. We want to keep those good markets we have, and we want to look for new opportunities for markets as well. Many Nebraska producers have recently expressed their concern about trade disputes. The North American Free Trade Agreement is still being renegotiated. The president recently pulled back on his comments about reevaluating rejoining the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and most recently, China has entered the trade conversation. I asked Senator Fisher her thoughts on the trade noise, beginning with NAFTA. You know, for a year now, there's been six of us that have been specifically focused on NAFTA. So six senators meeting with the president, talking with the administration. Our last meeting with the president uh, was before... Uh, Christmas and we were able to present to him our concerns that if we if we do pull out what that means even an announcement that we're going to pull out of NAFTA what that means for producers and it's it's not a good picture you know my mission at that meeting that we had at the White House with the president was to explain to him that that we deal in commodities in, uh, in ag when we're talking about our relationships with Canada and with Mexico. And even if the president would announce that uh, the United States was going to consider to pull out of NAFTA, we're going to lose those markets. You know, they end for us right away. The president may have that six-month period to work on good deals, but it, it's going to hit agriculture. And when it hits agriculture, it's going to hit the state of Nebraska. So that's been my message to him. I hope to have a, a call with him maybe today or tomorrow and explain that to him again because we're, we're concerned about that. We're very concerned. The Trump administration has set a bullseye on China, vowing to make trade with the country more fair. Following a tit-for-tat tariff threat, some fear that we are near or are already in a trade war with the country. I asked Senator Fisher if she views the situation the same. No, and we don't want to be in a trade war with China. I think that's what the president was referring to when he was talking about building those bilateral agreements with other countries. We need to have a, a group of us. It makes us stronger if we have a group of countries that are really going to confront China. And we need to confront China. They're our biggest competitors they, uh, in the upcoming markets. They are um, cheaters. They steal our intellectual property. We have to make sure that, uh, that they are confronted. And hopefully we will have allies and friends with us in order to do that so that we can hit back at them on that. Um, I hear that from Nebraskans. Uh, I'm in Nebraska every single weekend. I happened to be out in Lexington, North Platte this last weekend and, and met with people. And they, they want to see better deals with China. 
But again, you know, we've got we've to be sure that our ag producers, our ag markets are open and they're, they're going to continue to benefit us. When I last interviewed Senator Fisher, she received an endorsement by the Nebraska Farm Bureau. At the event, I asked the senator about a possible fix to the electronic logging device mandate that has been a concern for livestock haulers. Well, it was good to see you that day. That was, uh, that was an exciting day to be able to get that Farm Bureau endorsement. Uh, with the ELDs, with that, uh, obviously that's an issue I've been working on for a long time, uh, serving on the Commerce Committee and, and working with our truckers and now with our livestock uh, haulers as well. We had stakeholder meetings on that, and it's not necessarily the electronic logging part of it. It's the hours of service that uh, livestock producers are worried about, the haulers, that, that they have to um, abide by rules where you, you reach a point where it, it doesn't, it's not beneficial to the animals that, that you're trying to move. We are looking now, we just had a, a stakeholder meeting not too long ago. I met um, just last week with the administrator of the SMC, FMCSA and uh, they're going to be coming out with some guidance, which is the way we've really been uh, pushing along with the stakeholders that we brought together is to have the administration be able to work on that, come up with some good guidance, some good rules that make sense, that take into account uh, that 150 mile radius, for example, to look at, at the issues that really are impacting um, livestock haulers and what that means. Um, I can't really speak to the specifics right now because the Secretary of Transportation has to sign off on these, these rules, the guidance that's going to be coming out. But uh, from what we've been told about it, I'm, I'm pretty hopeful that this is going to address a lot of the concerns that, um, that we've been talking about for a number of months. For more audio and video from the interview with Senator Deb Fisher, you can log on to ruralradio.com. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskit. You're listening to Midday. Time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, Justify has been made the early 3-1 favorite for the Kentucky Derby with Europe-based Mendelssohn, the second choice in a full field of 20 horses. Trained by four-time Derby winner Bob Baffert, Justify drew the number seven post today. Now six horses have won from there, most recently Street Sense, back in 2007. Last time Golden State got Stephen Curry back from a knee injury in the playoffs, he immediately returned to brilliance. In Game 4 of the Warriors' five-game Western Conference semifinals against Portland two years ago, he scored 40 points in that overtime win. If that's any indicator, the New Orleans Pelicans better be ready tonight. The two-time MVP sidelines and sprinting his left knee in March is expected to play tonight in Game 2. Meanwhile, in Toronto, the Raptors face the challenge of stopping LeBron James and his supporting cast. Toronto eliminated the Wizards in a six-game first-round series to advance to the second round against Cleveland. That series begins tonight. Now, the Cavs are 8-2 and two against Toronto the past two postseasons and went 5-2 and two in matchups during the regular season the last couple of years. What home ice advantage? Home teams are just 26-26 and 26 so far in the NHL playoffs heading into tonight's action when Pittsburgh will host Washington and Winnipeg welcomes the Predators. Both series are tied after the visitors claim their respective openers on the road. 
Sophomore heavyweight Jared Henricks of Geneva earned All-American honors this past weekend at the U.S. Open in Las Vegas. Now, several members of the UNK wrestling squad competed for the Nebraska Golden Eagles Wrestling Club, and they took part in freestyle and Greco-Roman brackets of the five-day tournament. Henricks, who's from Geneva, coming off a 40-win college season and an eighth-place finish at the NCAA Division II Championships, went 3-3 three and three in his weight class. Finishing sixth overall, that effort qualifies him for the Greco-Roman World Team Trials, which will be coming up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And Tri-City Storm goalie Philip Larson has been named the USHL Goaltender of the Year. He's the first goaltender in the history of the Storm to receive that award. This past year, he played in 30 games and posted a 1.65 goals against average and a 94% save percentage. Both of those marks led the league, and that save percentage mark is the best in UHHL history dating back to 1979. Uh, Larson has signed to play his college hockey next year at Denver University. And former Norfolk star Logan Strom, who is playing at UC Davis, has decided to transfer to Nebraska-Omaha. Now, he will have to set out a year and will have three years of eligibility remaining. He averaged 17 points and nine rebounds per game during the 2016-17 season at Norfolk as they capture their first Class A title in 30 years. That is a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Middays just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. chance of thunderstorms tonight, mostly in central and southeast Nebraska, also for some western areas as well. Some thunderstorms could be severe with damaging winds and large hail. I'm Dave Schroeder. State Senator Lynn Walls of Fremont is now a Democratic candidate for lieutenant governor. She's touring Nebraska today with her new running mate, Democratic Governor hopeful Bob Christ. Christ, a state senator from Omaha, says Walls has been a strong advocate for education, the special needs of community, and rural economic development. The Nebraska tour seeks to introduce Walls to voters after Christ named her as his running mate. Christ still has to win Nebraska's May 15th Democratic primary to secure the party's nomination for governor. Walls have been criticizing Governor Pete Ricketts' veto of a bill she introduced this year to expand mental health services in schools. Ricketts, a Republican, has said he shares concerns about mental health services in schools, but argues that Walls' bill was unnecessary. KRVN station manager Tim Marshall has been named chief operating officer of the Nebraska Rural Radio Association. NRRA general manager Craig Larson made the announcement this week. Larson says Marshall has done an excellent job leading KRVN and will now be overseeing some of the day-to-day operations within the company. Marshall is a native of Eddyville and has worked in radio for nearly 40 years, with the last five of them with KRVN. Marshall says the NRRA wants to find more ways to present content to its audience and advertisers via videos, apps, social media, along with providing a great on-air product. A report says business conditions index for nine Midwest and Plain states has surged to its highest level in a dozen years. The report says the Mid-America Business Conditions Index hit 64.5 in April compared with 62.1 in March. Creighton University economist Ernie Goss oversees the survey, and he says much of the recent manufacturing sector growth has been driven by exports. Very strong exports and imports. Exports growing as we sell more abroad with a weak dollar, that's good. But also we're buying more because of a healthy regional economy. The Red Willow County Sheriff's Office has identified the second driver involved in a two-vehicle fatality accident yesterday morning about three and a half miles south of Indianola. 
52-year-old Juan Carlos Cervantes Cerna of rural Indianola was treated and released from the scene. The driver of the other vehicle, 19-year-old Jonathan Colburn of McCook, died in the accident. The Nebraska State Patrol is assisting in the continuing investigation. Our app puts regional, ag, national, and area news just one click away anytime. Reporting from the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. From record low spring temperatures to drought monitors to rainfall in Brazil, DTN senior ag meteorologist Bryce Anderson explained a detailed weather update for the spring season in his latest webinar. He began by reiterating a statement he made back in February. We were calling, and this was back in mid-February or so, for a slower start to spring than a year ago with over the north-central part of the country frequent cold, enhanced snowfall, and a protracted winter. That verified, at least in my judgment. Anderson continued his update by comparing this April to April of 2014. We have had the coldest spring in the north central part of the country since the year 2014. From April 1st to April 18th, we saw temperatures in North Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, part of northeast Iowa, that were around 20 degrees below average. He also shared his thoughts on the remaining spring season. Fairly optimistic about how the year is actually going to pan out. When you look at the uh, spring season in total, yes, we have a slow start, but to finish out the uh, spring, it looks uh, more promising. Let me put it that way, because the temperatures generally show a seasonal trend for most of the central part of the U.S. Drought, however, does continue to be a concern in the Southwest Plains. But he did have positive comments about drought in the northern plains. We do note that drought in the northern plains is easing. There has been some recovery from the tremendous drought that the region went through a year ago. Looking back four years, Anderson explains that while we may be experiencing delays this spring, that doesn't necessarily mean that those delays will decrease overall production. I mentioned that this is the coldest and the slowest start to uh, conditions, uh, certainly the coldest in four years. Four years ago, there was a slow start to planting, as we mentioned, with corn planting. At this time of April, four years ago, only 6% done, an average of 14%. This is how crops turned out back then. In 2014, corn production set a record for that time at more than 14 billion bushels. The yield was a record also at 171 bushels an acre. Soybeans, same story. The total production was just short of 4 billion bushels of 3.97 billion, and the yield was just under 48 bushels an acre. The implication is that slow spring beginnings don't necessarily lead to difficulties in crop production or reduced production. Finally, Anderson turned his focus outside of the United States to dive deeper into the Brazil weather outlook. He commented not only about their weather conditions, but the impact their weather could have on U.S. corn producers. A quick note on Brazil, and that is that in the central part of Brazil, they're getting some uh, drier conditions developing. South central Brazil is turning dry. That's where uh, Paraná is located, Paraná State along with Sao Paulo. And this is important 
because there could be an adverse impact on the safrina corn crop in Brazil, leading to production a little bit below the expectations that are right around 88 million metric tons or so. There might not be that much corn coming out of Brazil because of uh, the drier conditions that they've got going on. From the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. Good afternoon. Dewey Nelson with a market update on the Rural Radio Network. Shortly before the close, we got a double-digit rally in Chicago and Kansas City wheat futures. Soybean meal is above $400 a ton. That's a big catalyst for the soybeans. Corn also higher with May at 396, up three and a half. July 404 and three quarters, up four. December 419 and a half, up three and a half. May soybeans 1042, up four and a quarter. July 1052 and three quarters. Uh, November 1049, they're both up four and a quarter. Chicago May wheat. 524 up 11 and a half. July 526 and three quarters up 16 and a quarter. Kansas City May wheat 529 up 10 and a half. July 550 and a half up 13. Minneapolis July wheat 618 and a half up three. Cattle futures close lower, led by triple digit losses in feeder cattle. Lean hogs higher in the front months. June live cattle settled 105.82, down 27. August 104.07, down 45. October 107.07, down 37. December 111.12, down 70. May feeder cattle settled at 137.90, down 227. August 143.47, down 272. September 144.52, down 185. October 144.75, down 150. May lean hogs settled 67.45, up 115. June 73.90, up 120. July 76.02, up 15. Right now, the Dow down 181 at 23,982, but the Nasdaq's up 21 at 7,087. S&P 500 down 7 at 2,640. Auto Steer and Smart Irrigation Systems have revolutionized simplicity and efficiency in agriculture. Likewise, Quantix and AVDSS are a powerfully simple drone and analytics ecosystem for your farm, designed to help you make confident decisions easier. Developed by AeroVironment, a leading manufacturer for the U.S. military, Quantix helps you scout all your acreage from the sky. With the swipe of a button, its automated flight comes covers up to 400 acres in 45 minutes, delivering real-time, quick-look maps which can be viewed in your field. For deeper analysis, AVDSS transforms data into actionable insights to improve your scouting efficiencies and refine farming practices. Quantix and AVDSS. Crop scouting doesn't get any easier than this. Visit FarmDroneDemo.com to sign up for a demo in your area. Back on the Rural Radio Network. Cattle futures were lower today. Let's find out why. From Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, we were lower. A little disappointment. Uh, there was a, a couple of trades take place, and uh, it was at lower uh, lower than last week, and that was a little disappointing, uh, especially uh, when you have uh, uh, 
quote unquote this wall of cattle supposedly uh, coming uh, down the pike and uh, that put a little pressure on the uh, cattle they did bounce back they did recover some but uh, and closing moderately clo- lower as compared to where they were earlier uh, in the uh, day but uh, uh, still a, a down day cutouts were higher once again um, and we'll see if the trade uh, usually a Tuesday trade without much volume uh, doesn't really signify too much other than uh, it's just an independent trade. Over in the feeders, they were down under a lot of more pressure, some triple-digit losses there. Uh, it just doesn't appear that uh, the feeder trade, uh, the cash trade, is not doing as well as uh, anticipated. Uh, and uh, that continues to uh, kind of weigh on the uh, feeders. Over in the hogs, going to finish mixed, higher in the front end, lower in the back end. And we even had some triple-digit gains. Cash ca- cash hogs uh, appeared to uh, be a little bit higher. Cutouts were higher. And so that gave uh, a little bit of a boost uh, after uh, recent sell-offs. We've seen but a mixed trade out of the hogs. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Call him at 800-328-0134. K-State is reaching out to get more on-farm management data from previous wheat crops. We find out more here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Speaking on this data collection process is Dr. Romulo Lotto, Extension Wheat and Forage Specialist with K-State Research and Extension. And Dr. Lotto, explain to us what type of data you're wanting to collect from producers on their previous wheat crops. Sure, Clay. Uh, Well, first, thanks for having me on air here today. And what we're looking for in this project is it started with the question, uh, can we improve our management recommendations based on what producers are currently doing, right? So that's the the first question that we want to answer. So to do that, we put out a project that is funded by the Kansas Wheat Commission. uh, And in this project, we are collecting on-farm management data. So for, for example, if you are a wheat producer and you had a field that you managed last year, what we're asking for is for that specific field, can you provide us the general management that you took? So including variety that you chose, seeding rate, planting date, your fertility management, and, and so on. So we're really asking for producers to share the, the typical management that they adopted in different fields. So what we're asking from producers here is that they share with us uh, field-specific data uh, about their management as, as well as yield and protein. So later on, we can break that down by different regions in the state and try to find what are the best management practices for those regions. So for example, if we get 300 fields for North Central Kansas or 400 fields, well, can we start learning what's the best planting date for that region of the state? and start comparing varieties for that region as well, uh, having in mind that these are coming from actual producers' fields. Dr. Lotto, K-State has a lot of areas where they're studying small wheat field plots. How does this on-farm management data differ from the data that K-State's collecting from those type, those small research plots? There, it does differ quite a bit from our small plot research, right? In our small plot settings, we pretty much go out in several different parts of the state, 10, 15 different regions, and we put out several different treatments that 
that we think are going to increase our yields or not. So we're testing different seeding rates, different nitrogen rates, and so on. Now, for this current project that we're asking for producer information, uh, that's going to give us a much wider range of things to look at, right? So in one research experiment, maybe we can look at one or two things, for example, seeding rate uh, and how it interacts with nitrogen rate. That's one experiment. Now, from research, uh, from the data that we're collecting from producers, uh, that's much. it allows us to look at a much wider scope because we're going to have fungicide information, we're going to have fungicide by variety information, we're going to have typical fertility as well, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. Really, there are many other things that, that we can try and start to, to develop some relationships between grain yield and management practices for that region. So that's one of the importance uh, of this work. And, and the other one is also to have a snapshot of how wheat is being managed in the state today. What's the typical management practice for our Kansas wheat farmers? That again, Dr. Romulo Lotto, Extension Wheat and Forge Specialist with K-State. Tune back to the Rural Radio Network tomorrow to hear more from Dr. Lotto on how they're using the data and when it will be available to producers. Keep listening to the Rural Radio Network. Grain and soybean futures rallied today. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Soy meal seems to have been a real catalyst for these higher prices. Yeah, soy meal is the, the keeping everything afloat really on the soybean complex. There really isn't a big story in the beans right now. Uh, the feed grain markets are seeing all the all the fireworks, but soy meal, given the fact Argentina just didn't have enough, and uh, you know, crush margins have needed to explode here in the U.S. Given that uh, um, you know the demand for oil is, is really high, and the demand for meal is obviously there. Uh, meal is a way that they're going to export beans over to the uh, some of these markets. They're going to put tariffs on us, so meal was uh, conveniently excluded by uh, the Chinese in their recent announcement. So I think you're, you're seeing a bid there that's going to continue to pull on the on the front month bean contracts and uh, maybe create a little more inversion here in the short term. We've got quite a buildup uh, year over year. July of this year now sits almost. 25 cents over July of next year in the soybean contract. So, uh, you know, I'd like to be bullish beans. I think I'm more bullish just due to the fact that the other markets are rallying. Uh, I think, uh, you know, maybe a test of 1065 is in order. But to get through that, I think you really got to have some U.S. problems. And at this point in the year, there's just nothing to really talk about. John, we wouldn't normally expect wheat prices to be so strong when the dollar is trading up as well. But there must be some other support there coming from. Oh, this is all weather-related, and there's a squeeze going on in the overseas markets. Uh, France is very dry, Central Europe is very dry, and, and Russia is some talk now leaking out. You don't really know what you're reading over there, but that they're maybe looking at a 10-15% yield cut from where they were a year ago. So you're going to have globally, almost every country who produces wheat except for China, which you know, question a little bit about their accounting practices, is going to have a lower wheat crops year over year, throwing that, uh, you know, the Argent or the Australian crop is enough to a good start, and you really, like I said, have a short squeeze on. Uh, KC 552 will probably test 565 tomorrow. That's the high. Uh, and then we get through that. My advice is to look down the curve. Look at that July 19 contract. If you're going to be planting wheat next year, this is your chance. You're going to get some good price action here. We're in the mid to low sixes right now. I wouldn't be shocked to see a push up into like the 620, 630, but I don't really feel the need 
there's a big need for high-protein wheat acreage for next year, given the big supplies we have. So uh, I don't think the market will get too high here, but this is your opportunity if you are a hedger to look down the curve. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago, and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Be sure to go to contact them, uh, danielsagmarketing.com. So corn finished the day, four to five and a quarter higher. Uh, soybeans, four and three quarters to five and three quarters higher with a double-digit rally in winter wheat futures. This is the Rural Radio Network. Information brought to you this hour by Central Valley Irrigation. In just a few minutes, we'll be checking in for our settlement report. And before this half hour is out, we'll be checking in with Clay Patton as he follows the Kansas Wheat Tour. One more report coming up for you. And as we get to 3 o'clock this afternoon, join us for our next Rural Radio Forum this afternoon, beginning at 3, 2 o'clock Mountain Time. Our correspondents and guests will explore rural economic development in Nebraska, presented by Plains Equipment Group, your authorized Ranky Irrigation Dealer.